Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am repurposing another episode that I did. I've been interviewed quite a lot over these past few months, so I wanted to share them while it's such valuable information. And today's podcast episode is all about acne. It was on um, Sheridan Decker's podcast, which is called Empowered Hormone Podcast. So if you want to listen to more episodes that she's done, different guests, then I will link it in the show notes. But to start off with, she asked me more about my journey and um, health issues, particularly with acne and kind of what helped ultimately resolve my chronic skin issues and struggles. Um, We covered different types of acne, fungal versus kind of cystic acne, um, root causes, and not the typical ones that you hear about, just like hormone issues. It's more like detox issues, infections in the guts, nutrient deficiencies, and the specific ones. How the location of your acne can tell you and indicate different things. For example, the forehead might often be gut health related, or if there's lots of little under skin bumps, it can be fungal and yeast. Um, so kind of candida, or it can be spreading from the forehead. Uh, whereas the jawline acne tends to be more hormonal or lymphatic. So using that as kind of a tool, it's not 100% accurate, but based on other symptoms as well, the pattern and location of the acne and the type can actually need different solutions and protocols. And also just where to start, because there's so much information online. So I give my basic recommendations, for example, balancing blood sugar, what does that even mean and how to do it with some simple actionable steps. I really hope you enjoy this podcast episode if you're struggling with acne, but honestly, the things that we talk about can benefit you even if you're struggling with another hormonal or health condition. So I hope you enjoy. Let's get straight into the interview that I did on Sheridan Decker's podcast, Empowered Hormones. Today, I had the privilege of speaking to Vivian Ored, a naturopathic nutritional therapist and owner of Viva. Am I going to say that right? Viva? Viva? natural health health. so she primarily works with women struggling with hormonal imbalances and digestive issues I know that so many of you and works on educating them around the healing properties of food nutritional supplements lifestyle and other natural remedies so Vivian works online as well online consults and aims to identify and address the root cause so amen sister of her client's symptoms supporting them with personalized health protocols. I love that Vivian is passionate about helping as many women as possible and helping them overcome their health issues and dedicated to sharing regular content, which is I love because empower the women, including blog posts, which you can find on her website, newsletters and episodes on her amazing podcast, Hormones in Harmony, which I must say I love and I binge listen to. So plus daily education, inspiration and question answers on her Instagram page. So thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure and I'm so excited. You're welcome. Excited to be here on the other side of the the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Actually, I guess it's a bit not a bit of a novelty, but you know what I mean when you're so used to being the one sort of directing, coordinating, and organizing, it's sometimes a bit different and nicer to just be on the other end of it. Yeah, it's fun. And I could talk about the subject today, acne, for many hours. So happy to be chatting with you today. Awesome. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about your health journey? Because I've obviously read it on your website and follow you on Instagram and stuff, but I know there's so many people who haven't heard of you before. So tell us how you got to doing what you're doing, nutritional, naturopathic, nutritional medicine. I really got into it for my own health struggles. I think a lot of practitioners do. And my health journey really started around the age of 18. 
And this was a time when I was um, going to the gym more often because I felt a little bit body conscious, like a lot of teenagers do. So I decided to change my diet a little bit, went to the gym. But I have a bit of an all or nothing personality. So when I get into something, I really go to the extremes with it. So um, what started off as like a few times a week at the gym was back to back classes pretty much every single day. And I wasn't purposely um, under eating, but just the types of foods that I was eating were very low calorie because I was trying to be healthy. So it'd be like low fat yogurts, um, cereals, salads, like plain chicken breast, all of that like diet food. And I did lose weight and I was getting a lot of compliments and I felt better because I cut out a lot of the junk food and probably some food sensitivities at that point. But after a few months, my health started to decline. Um, I lost my period. My hair started falling out. My skin went crazy and I broke out with acne for the first time in my life. I'd got through puberty, perfect, like porcelain, doll skin. And my acne hit me at like 80, 90 when all of my friends' skin was then starting to clear up. And I wasn't concerned about the missing period because I didn't really understand the benefits of having a healthy period. And um, for me, it was like one less thing to think about. So my whole stress was around the hurt and the skin issue, but it was my mum who was like, this isn't normal. We want to take you to the doctor and see what's going on. They diagnosed me with PCOS because I fit the criteria of not having a period, having the, um, the acne and the hair issues as well. And they said either just continue what you're doing and see how things improve, which not give me any advice. I was just going to continue doing, doing the same thing. So the other option was to go on the birth control pill, which I kind of jumped at because they told me that it would fix all of my problems and my skin would clear and all of that. So obviously I jumped at the chance. And um, the first pill that I went on was Dianet, which is an, a very high estrogen or estrogen pill. And me knowing now what I know about my genetics, that very well, I don't detox estrogen um, correctly or as well as I should do. So within a few days, I was like very depressed. Everything got way worse. And I went back to the doctors and swapped over to the Yasmin pill, which is one that's more recognized for PCOS um, and supposedly has less side effects. But actually, there's a, um, a big issue with that type of pill now. There's a lot of lawsuits, but it did help to clear my skin. I got to the point where I had uh, pretty clear skin. My hair loss stopped. My hair stopped shedding as much, but it literally never grew. I think in two years, I had like one or two haircuts. I never had to shave my legs or cut my nails. Like everything slowed down, which was weird at the time. But the skin thing was like the most important thing to me. So I was like, it's doing what it's meant to. That's great. But after a couple of years, I started to notice other symptoms popping up, like anxiety, digestive issues, food sensitivities, which were brand new. I, I could eat anything up until that point. And I, I joked that I had like a, an iron stomach. I never got sick or anything like that and could eat all the gluten and dairy in the world. But now I was starting to react. Um, and the few years after that, I got into like more into health and nutrition and like proper healthcare at that point, not like the, the fad type stuff. Um, I went to work at a summer camp in America as like a, a kids um, camp counselor doing aerobics and yoga, teaching that for the summer in Pennsylvania. And the last couple of weeks of that trip, I got really sick with food poisoning twice in one week. And since that point, like everything declined when I got home, I couldn't tolerate anything. My gut was just blowing up like a balloon from just drinking water and eating like healthy. I was trying to eat healthy vegetables. It wasn't like I was eating pizza and junk food. I couldn't tolerate anything. Um, I started to lose a lot of weight because for one, I couldn't tolerate food, but I, I was scared of eating and I was just not absorbing anything. So I lost um, a bunch of weight and I went to see a nutritional therapist um, in the UK who did a lot of testing on me and found that I had a ton of infections, parasites, candida, SIBO, H. pylori, nutrient deficiencies, my thyroid and adrenals were messed up. And she told me about the potential harmful effects of the birth control pill and how that was maybe worsening my gut issues. And I agreed that I wanted to figure out the root cause of my original symptoms at that point. So a few years passed after that. Um, I was doing better at some points, doing worse at others, had a whole journey with my gut health and trying to heal that. And that went on until, so from like age 21 till 25-ish, I'd say. I'm 26 now for reference. I yeah, was very up and down with symptoms. And I got to the point where I could manage things with my skin. I, I got to the place where I could have clear skin and go into the bathroom every day, all of that. But I'd have to eat an extremely strict diet. I'd have to take hundreds of pounds worth of supplements every month. I'd have to detox in some way every single day, whether it's through enemas or juicing or castor oil packs. And then I started to think this isn't normal. I shouldn't have to rely on all of these things to be healthy. And that's when I started to look further into like actual root causes 
um, like real root causes. Um, I knew that I had low progesterone and high estrogen levels, but I was thinking why instead of just keep managing things with Vitex or soul palmetto herbs and things to push or increase hormone levels. I was thinking, why, why are my hormones out of whack in the first place? So then I started to read more about um, mold illness and mold exposure in the home, which in places like Australia and the UK and certain states in the US is quite a big deal. And I'd never at that point heard anyone talk about it. But then I started to see it everywhere, just on Instagram and what I was reading online and webinars popping up all over the place about it. So I really feel like I was, the universe was like sending me all of these clues. And at first I was like very like hesitant. I was like, no, no, that's not, not something I'm dealing with because I couldn't see anything in my, in my home. Bearing in mind, it was a very old home. It was built in the 1890s, I think, a Victorian um, terrace house in the UK. We're on like a floating island in the middle of the sea and it's raining and cold and damp pretty much the majority of the year. And then the more I looked into it, I, these like light, belt, um, light bulb moments were going off. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is the root of a lot of things. And I know I talk about like the root cause quite a lot, but there's usually more than one thing. So it wasn't just the mold. Um, it was the food poisoning, the birth control pill, the stress, like stress of overexercising, under eating. But I really feel like that for me, not for everyone. So definitely not something to jump straight into if you're at the start of your health journey. Um, but for me, the mold exposure was causing, um, it was suppressing my hormones. My body was in this constantly inflamed and stressed state. So my body wasn't ovulating. Um, my, it was sending my blood sugar levels and insulin levels crazy. It was messing with my gut and causing leaky gut. So I was healing my gut over and over again and doing um, protocol after protocol. And it was just infections would just keep coming back because my immune system was so suppressed. So it was only June of 2020 last year that I moved because the thing with mold is that you need to deal with the air quality issue. And I was moving anyway, but it just came at the perfect time that I was moving into my new apartment and so I could leave behind the old home. And in the past year, my health has improved significantly. It's been like a journey because the detox can be pretty rough. And um, it's quite a serious issue. But yeah, I feel the best I've ever felt at some points over the past few years, it felt like I was getting dementia, honestly, and my skin was just so um, inflamed and was just breaking out regardless of everything that I'm doing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a nutritionist, and I was eating perfectly. I was taking all the supplements and things that I knew to help acne. And I still had a face full of breakouts. And I was like on client calls. I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. You feel like an imposter. But um, yeah, without the, without the root cause being addressed, which in my experience was mold for me, for someone else, it could be something else. But um, yeah, an acne issue or a hair loss issue is a symptom. So treating the body holistically and not just chasing after like what you're putting on topically. It really is like looking at the whole body um, and just trying to keep going back and figuring out like the different factors that have led to that in your individual case. Yeah. Wow. So a couple things. One, <laughs> you, I can't believe how similar our stories are, except for the mold. I haven't done mold testing, but everything else is just absolutely smack on which is just insane I I love that and I resonate and I can get that um yeah the loss of periods the doing all the things they're feeling like an imposter the yeah just everything um mold testing because I know there'll be people listening how do you test for mold is it it's not oats or anything um, an oat test can give some insight but it's not a, there's no like gold standard and no test is going to be 100 accurate um, to test the body, there is a specific test called a Great Plains Lab mycotoxin test. So it's from the same company who do organic acid quite frequently. So it's a different panel and that is more specific to mold. Again, if you're really inflamed and really toxic, that test can come back negative um, a lot of the time. Um, and to test the home, there are tests like the ERMI or Hertz Me test. And there's um, com companies in each country that do that. Um, but getting help from an environmental investigation officer, I think they're called that, the, that would be the, the best option because they literally scour the house from top to bottom and go in all the nooks and crannies um, to, to make sure that there's no mold. Whereas an ERMI test is just one of the, plate, you know, the Petri dish things that you put in your home. So with certain molds, they're not heavy enough to kind of float to the bottom of the ground or it depends on what day, if you've got the windows open, if you've got pets, that can all skew the results as well. So gold standard for that would to be get a mold specialist in, but it, that's very expensive to sort of start off something like a do-it-yourself mold kit would be a good option. 
Yeah, wow. Wow, that's yeah, that's fascinating. Your story is incredible and amazing and I know there's so many can, women who can resonate with so many elements, but the mold side of things is yeah, another whole rabbit hole that I'd love to go down because it is as you said it it's another one of those root causes and you can be doing um, the nutrition stuff and the supplement stuff and feel like you're dealing with the underlying issue of low progesterone. But like you said, at the end of the day, why is it low or why am I on sore palmetto or why am I going down these certain liver detox pathways or yeah, what whatever it is. So today I want to pick your brain a bit on acne. So when you're working with people and you talk about you having acne and quite severe acne for quite a while, are there a couple of different types of acne? What are the different types and where, you know, where are we typically seeing them? Yeah, so I'll put it in kind of layman's terms, just so people listening can get an idea as to whether it's something that they're dealing with, because um, there are, are all the sciencey names, obviously, but a common one that people experience um, would be cystic acne. And it can get to the extreme of nodular acne, where it's like really deep inflamed, sometimes very large, like boulder type um, breakouts on the skin. So cystic acne would be more of the inflamed red, it doesn't come to a head um, type breakouts and commonly in the bottom half of the face, but honestly can be anywhere if, if things are quite bad. And then there's more of the surface level breakouts. So less inflamed, but can be um, blackheads and whiteheads. So they're known as comedones, either open or closed. Open comedones would be the whitehead. Blackheads um, would be the closed comedones. And uh, another one that I see is fungal acne. And I've struggled with this as well. And this comes from um, imbalances with the yeast in the microbiome of the skin. So the bacteria that we know that we have in the guts and the intestine, we have bacteria on and in our body as well. So on the skin imbalances in the yeast levels can lead to um, fungal acne. And the type of yeast is called malassezia. It's also the same one that can be linked to dandruff. So if you're struggling with dandruff and acne, it could be that you're dealing with some sort of fungal aspect. And usually on the forehead is um, a very common place. And it's the type of bumpy acne that you can just see in certain lights or um, it doesn't come to a head sometimes it can be a little bit itchy sometimes it can be down the sides of the face as well so they would be the most common ones I'd see but all have similar root causes but sometimes you need to do slightly different things topically to address each one right okay so if you're if you're talking about the cystic acne um, typically you're seeing that jawline back chest or yes. yeah yeah and it can be hormonal I mean all acne is hormonally driven in some ways because there's like so many different hormones um but cystic yeah usually on like the cheeks lower part of the face sometimes neck um but then people can have body chest and back acne as well that's not usually cystic it's more of like the um the whiteheads that people experience in those areas but some yeah. people literally have a combination of all of these things yeah, true, true. They they cross over, don't they? And it could be different things, like whether it's um, androgens or whether it's estrogen or, like you said, I find the fungal acne really fascinating because I hadn't heard of that before until I listened to one of your podcasts and I heard it come up and I went, oh, wow, that's, yeah, that's fascinating. And it would, like you said, it looked different to the other acne and you would treat it differently. So that brings you down another whole rabbit hole of treatment and why is it there and what's the sort of issue but it's interesting that's linked to the dandruff as well yeah and it can be linked to um yeast overgrowth internally so if you're also struggling with symptoms of candida overgrowth i think a lot of people are familiar with that term so itchy skin sugar cravings brain fog digestive issues fungal nails athletes foot any of those things and you have acne and you have dandruff then it's pointing more towards um fungal yeah, of course, of course. Yep, yep. So some of the key drivers of acne then, what would you say the most, like the biggest ones you typically come across with? Because there's the thing is, is that's interesting is that some women have severe gut issues but don't have acne, right? Like it's not, they're not always linked. So what what are some of the things you see when you're working with someone who has acne? There's always a genetic component. So that's why someone can have acne and some people don't. Same with IBS, there's some sort of um, predisposition to getting that or PCOS, there's genetic predispositions, but that, that doesn't mean to say that you're kind of screwed for life and it's something that you have to deal with. But commonly, the gut is like a huge thing, even in people who don't have digestive symptoms. And that's what can make people overlook the gut and digestion as treatment, because they're still very concerned about their skin and acne. And they're just treating topically or just focusing on um, acne. But they can have 
gut infections like SIBO, H. pylori parasites, and not have symptoms or some people overlook the digestive symptoms because they feel like they're normal in terms of the fact that they're gassy and bloated after every meal. They just think that's normal. So they don't even bring it up in conversation or they go to the bathroom. I ask, I ask some clients, like, how often do you go to the bathroom? They're like, oh, once or twice. I'm like, a day? They're like, no, a week. <laughs> and I'm like, that's step number one that needs to be addressed if you have acne, um, because otherwise you're just recirculating the toxins in the system. Um, so always look to the gut. There's a thing like the skin is a magic mirror into the gut, even conditions like psoriasis, eczema, hives, um, dermatitis, they're very commonly linked to the gut and the immune system. And that is the place that we digest and absorb our food. So this can come into nutrient deficiencies as well. So you could be eating this perfect diet with taking all of these expensive supplements, but if you aren't digesting properly because you have low stomach acid, you have these parasites that are stealing the nutrients as soon as you get to them, they get into the system, or your bile is sluggish, so therefore you're not absorbing the vitamin A, vitamin D that's in your food, then th those are key nutrients for the skin. Um, but also people might be aware of the term leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um, that's very commonly linked to acne and skin issues like rosacea as well. And sometimes I test, I've not been doing testing as much with clients in terms of stool testing, because just from clinical experience and symptoms and health history, um, a lot of the time I can just guarantee that they have infections. So I'd rather save the money in testing um, and put it towards some sort of treatment because a lot of people are on budgets these days. And sometimes the people with the worst, um, with the with acne and no digestive symptoms have the worst gut health in terms of infections. And then there's people with IBS and all of these things. And it's just that they have a gluten intolerance and maybe a little bit of bad bacteria elevated. And um, so you can't just go off how symptomatic am I? And a lot of even Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut. And I, it's not for everyone. So can't make a blanket statement, but very commonly an issue. But there's all different problems in the gut that can contribute to skin issues. And just taking a probiotic or a digestive enzyme isn't going to isn't going to move the needle too much. So there's some people say that they have, I've healed my gut, I've tried to heal, and it's not helped. And I asked them what they've done. They're like, yeah, I took some bone broth, um, and some collagen powder and a probiotic. And like, that's not going to clear parasites or H. pylori or anything like that. So don't rule it out either. Um, and always keep going back to it because it is such a common driver. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold-free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores. Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, the ratio can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics. The regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. 
This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, psoriasis is an interesting one because it's one that I've struggled with off and on and I do find that at times it'll flare up. But often um, do you find that psoriasis is again linked to some nutritional deficiencies? I know there's a the strong immune component as well, but nutritionally there must be aspects linked into it um, as that autoimmune. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it then comes back to like, why aren't you getting enough zinc or selenium or um, amino acids in the first place? If you are, if you aren't taking them in, then that's something to address. But a lot of people are getting enough. It, it then comes back to malabsorption. So not actually digesting and absorbing. There is a big liver gallbladder and bile connection with psoriasis. So maybe that's something to look into a little bit more. But um, yeah, with it being an autoimmune condition, then the gut and the immune system is, is often impaired. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love that because so often I see, and I saw it in myself as well, as you start to get better and all my gut issues cleared up, um, like a couple of years ago, and, and I see this in clients, you neutrophils and your white blood cell count and everything slowly starts to rise. And people go, oh, actually they are interlinked like that's mm-hmm. yeah that's so um interesting another big one and i know you're going to touch on this but i noticed the blood sugar insulin lately i've seen so many women who are struggling with that and they didn't even realize that that could be a driver of their acne and that's because they're probably asking the doctors to test the blood sugar and they're coming back normal and that's because the doctors are waiting until you've got full-blown diabetes before they do anything about it so they either think that you're completely fine and have zero blood sugar issues and don't need to worry about your diet at all or you're full-blown diabetic and need to eat this with like very low carb diet and can't go back there is this huge gray area same with like gluten intolerance so many different thyroid issues they're just waiting until you have an imbalance before they can give you a medication and a diagnosis unfortunately but blood sugar and insulin issues are a huge problem not just from not just because of diet and the amount of carbohydrates and sugars that you eat although that is important It's also about the types of fats that you're eating, how stressed you are, how much you're sleeping, how much muscle mass you have, how much sunlight you're getting on a daily basis. They have just as if not more impacts on blood sugar than the carbohydrates that you're eating. So some people jump straight to the low carb diets, keto diets, and sometimes it works temporarily, but then they they can't go back to eating the carbs because their body is just like not using them properly and they're not they haven't addressed the root of the problem so they find themselves in this like vicious cycle then of not being able to stray away from the diet and the blood sugar goes crazy every time they eat something like a sweet potato which is just a sign that your metabolism is majorly messed up so looking at some of those other fa- more lifestyle factors a lot of the time they can have um, a big impact on your blood sugar yeah, for sure. And again, it's that thing about jumping the gun. Like when you're talking about your story and about the PCOS and stuff, and I had the same thing going on the birth control pill and whatnot, but you've also got that element of hypothalamic amenorrhea, right? So if you were going, oh, I've got PCOS, therefore I've got, you know, blood sugar, insulin things, and you start changing diet with that, well, you could actually be making a condition like HA or whatever worse as well. So you're right, getting the right testing done. And I was actually listening to something on this the other day about the different um insulin testing and it, it it's fascinating going oh shivers it could all come back clear if i'm not getting the right testing um yeah yeah you're uh, you're on it with that and that happened to me as well because in my health journey when i lost a lot of weight um and at that point i'd come off the pill but my period didn't return for two years so i was i was trying to think do i have pcos and i need to like lower my carbs more or do I have hypothalamic amenorrhea? I honestly think I had a little bit of both at some stages. So that can happen. Yeah. They can cross over yeah. quite commonly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you wanted to monitor blood glucose, like if you wanted to have a look at that because you think your blood insulin levels might be a bit out of whack and you can't get your GP to test it, uh, would it be worth, do you ever get people to buy the glucose monitors and just monitor it during the day? Yeah, I prefer the continual blood glucose monitors that go in your arm, like the little implant things. I don't know if you have them readily in Australia, but in the UK, we have a company called um, Freestyle Libre or in America, there's a company called Levels and they are ones that you can just buy and it's so much easier than pricking your finger every 20 minutes because you can literally scan your phone across your arm and it will tell you right there and then what your blood sugar levels are because there are 
you could be eating the same amount of carbs from oats and buckwheat versus rice and potatoes and get completely different blood sugar response. I don't do well with potatoes personally, but I'm fine with things like buckwheat and rice and fruit. And so yes, like hundred grams of either, it can cause major, major fluctuations. Wow. That's yeah, that's fascinating. I'll definitely be looking into that because I find that super interesting. So when you're looking at healing acne in someone, what is the first sort of step for you? What sort of testing do you run? What pathway do you first go down? It would be cleaning up the diet because honestly, that's the easiest thing. And even with healthy diets, there's a lot of mistakes that people can make. So trying to fast and skip meals or going to low protein, like some of these plant-based and um, vegan diets, they're just really under eating protein and we need amino acids to actually build skin cells and hormones and all of that. So even if you're eating a healthy diet, there's probably some tweaks that can be made um, to just improve things further or people going too long between meals or snacking too often, eating too much, um, like even natural sugars and starches can impact your blood sugar, too much caffeine, even if it's from like organic coffee or matcha. So starting there, but I'm guessing a lot of your audience are already eating um, a healthy diet. (laughs) So lab testing wise, yeah, you don't want to narrow in too much either because there is a whole world of food fear and orthorexia and I've definitely been there with my skin as well because you're trying to pinpoint the one food trigger a lot of the time it's it's not the food that's the issue it's your gut and immune system digestion because when you have leaky gut you have the possibility of reacting to anything and everything so if you cut out one food and introduce or replace it with something else you're probably going to become sensitive to that if you haven't addressed the actual um, root problem so there are some foods that aren't great for everyone like the inflammatory oils um, and the like uh, the, ba- the bad types of fats the seed oils and canola oil all of that gluten um, isn't great conventionally raised animal products and dairy products if they're like factory farmed aren't great but there's some people like just cutting out food after food group um, not getting better and they're actually making the acne worse because of the stress and because of the nutrient deficiencies that they run into So clean up your diet, organic as much as possible, high quality foods. I am a big fan. And I find that animal protein, if it's organic grass fed, um, is very healing when it comes to acne because it's got some of the fat soluble vitamins in there, like vitamin A that you can't really get from plant-based foods. Beta carotene isn't the same as um, retinol. So clean up the diet, but lab test wise, it depends on the person and the person's budget in terms of my clients, but I always try and get some basic blood work done through the doctor or privately if that's um, easier, which in some cases it is just because of the uh, rigmarole that you have to go around to get appointment and the doctor's not been on board. So I would test um, things like the thyroid, so androgens, progesterone, FSH and LH, DHEA levels, DHEAS, um, thyroid hormones, so full thyroid panel would be TSH, T4, T3, and the thyroid antibodies, thyroglobulin and thyroperoxidase because having a sluggish thyroid is very common, even in like twen- women in the 20s and 30s. Um, and that's involved in the, the, the rate at which your skin cells turn over. So if you have a sluggish thyroid, then you're, you are going to deal with a um, clogged pores, the hyperkeratinization and proliferation of skin cells, because they're just not sh- um, shedding at the correct speed that they should do. So I, I feel like a lot of women have uh, thyroid issues and have been overlooked. And there's some basic um like insulin fasting insulin ideal is around like three to five fasting um glucose panel nutrients like um ferritin iron levels that's involved in detoxification and because certain things can't be tested in blood like certain nutrients like zinc they're actually better tested through a hair sample in my opinion so i do htma testing um, i now offer it to all of my clients and um, it's part of the packages that i offer um, because that looks at things like heavy metals and copper, which in high amounts can be an acne trigger as well. It looks at zinc levels, which I think a lot of people with acne have heard that there's a, a big zinc issue for a lot of people, but not always. And then if a person has a budget or wants like, definitive answers on paper, this is the problem, which I understand when you when you've struggled for so long, you just want to know for definite what you're dealing with. But um, organic acid testing, like you mentioned before, can be good because that can give some insight into fungal and candida related aspects and potentially mold, but not always, and detox issues, or the GI map, which is a stool test, which isn't as good at looking at yeast, but it is good for looking at parasite, bacteria, um, digestion, absorption of food. So um, yeah, those are the, the common ones I use. 
Yeah, there's so many, isn't there? I do find that with people, it's like, flip, like, where do I start? I want to do them all. But like you said, A, there's budget and B, yeah. there's, you know, timeframes. And if someone's getting all this bud work done, well, then in some cases, it's a catch-22 because now they're like, Vivian, I've got all this information. If we're going to fix all this stuff, like there's the next couple of years of my life, you know, not in really, but you know what I mean? Like it's like shivers sometimes. Yeah, the more information, the better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you just like shooting in the dark. Yeah, totally, totally. So if you're getting all this information, do you know how long, and everyone I know is going to be different, but how long would, do you find it can take to get to the root cause? It can take quite a while to identify the root cause. That doesn't have to be a long process because it's just a matter of fact of working with a practitioner who can go through your health history um, maybe some lab testing, which can take a few weeks, that's going to give you a ton of information. And remember that there's more than one root cause. So you're going to have something to be working on um, from the get-go pretty much. And other than that, because skin is a very low priority for your body, you can survive with a face full of acne or a body full of rashes and psoriasis. You can't survive if your liver is impaired or your brain is inflamed. So your body is always going to focus on those things first and heal those organs, internal organs, because that is a matter of like life and death, whereas the skin isn't. So the skin can often be one of the last things to improve. And that's, that's definitely what happened with me. It was my f- very first symptom, my most annoying symptom and the very last symptom to clear up fully. But now that it has cleared up, I know that my in- insides are fully healthy. Everything's working great because my body's now diverting nutrients and healing towards my skin. So I would hope that someone with my clients, I always say it's going to take a while. So focus on some of the other smaller wins for now. Like, are you sleeping better? Is your period better? Are you less bloated? Are you going to the bathroom more often? Focus on and celebrate those things because skin can take a while. But I would hope that someone would see some minor changes within the first two months, whether that is one less pimple than they usually get at the time of the month or when they get a breakout it heals a little bit quicker and it doesn't leave a brown or red mark for three months afterwards or it's less inflamed those little things even though you might still have acne full all over your face the signs that it is improving or the deep cystic breakouts might become more whiteheads um, or surface level breakouts or they might start to move location on the face that can be a sign of healing as well so for someone with mild acne So jawline chain, they've had it for the past few years. That could be resolved in some cases within three months. Um, More moderate acne. So they've had it for a good number of years, potentially been on the pill and antibiotics. And it's on like forehead and cheeks. That can take maybe six months. If someone has had acne from age 14, they're now 30. They've been on Roaccutane. They've wrecked the gut with antibiotics and medications. And they're not eating a great diet. They also have other health conditions at the same time. So they have seabone parasites and all of that, uh, mold illness, Lyme disease, then you could be looking like nine to 12 months, but that can obviously change based on how fast the body responds, how much effort the person puts in on their end. And yeah, so many different factors, but that's a good, because I don't want to say, yeah, you can heal it within a four week, four week online course. That's not realistic at all. And sometimes that makes things worse because the person feels like a letdown or they feel guilty or disappointed because they haven't got the results so i'd rather give someone the longer um time frame the more realistic time frame than making promises that they're just going to be let down by so yeah we've talked a lot about that internal stuff and that's always your go-to and that's obviously like you said because you're you're saying these three to nine to 12 months because obviously there's there's a lot of internal stuff to go to but we're so pushed with the media to be like buy this treatment or buy that or whatever and and you you will have clear skin in a couple weeks and it'll be fine but that's obviously not how it works and I know you get that as well so what about topical treatments then what are your thoughts on them are they as important as the gut or hormone work or, or when do you start focusing on sort of topical stuff instead of or as well as internal the internal stuff is more important in my opinion. So I'd say probably 90% internal, but you could be, again, eating great stuff, working on the root causes internally. But if you're, if you're still using harsh tre- um, treatments on the skin, like the, um, what's it called, proactive, you're using exfoliation twice a day, you're going out in the sun and burning your skin, it's going to be very difficult for you to heal um, because your skin barrier is just going to be constantly disrupted. But that said, if you're using a perfect skincare routine, but you still have chronic inflammation from the inside, that's not going to work either. So it is a little bit of both. 
And with my acne clients, I do get them started on topical protocol uh, pretty much from the get-go because that can take a while to really kick in whilst we're doing the internal stuff simultaneously. But um, yeah, it is, it is something to be um, looked at because even some of these natural, maybe hormone-friendly, um, BP, uh, not BPA, paraben-free, SLS-free natural products these days, a lot of them aren't acne-friendly. So they might be friendly to your hormones, but if you have acne-prone skin, some of them can be too heavy and occlusive. They might contain coconut oil. So just because they're good um, in one way doesn't mean they're good for acne. So I keep recommendations like very simple, basic, because when you have acne, your skin is sensitive, whether you think it or not. Um, and the goal is to just improve things like the post-acne um, hyperpigmentation or helping your skin cells shed at a more normal rate with a chemical exfoliant and removing sunscreen at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the internal factors are more important in my opinion. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's totally true. So what about, um, let's touch on food briefly then. What foods would you say are important for healing acne from that internal sort of aspect? Is there things that you found were triggers or do you find that it is completely different for everyone? It's very different. So (laughs) this is one thing I know that there's some websites and people who say like leafy green vegetables and oily fish and like the usual thing, nuts and seeds. But for me, my biggest triggers were avocado, dark chocolate, so cacao, um, citrus, bone broth, apple cider vinegar. I was like pounding all of those things every single day because I read that they were the healthiest for skin and it was making my acne a million times worse. And I thought I was detoxing. Um, which is crazy, but it was just not a good fit because of my root causes. I had a big histamine component and this is like a whole nother tangent, but that can go alongside gut issues and mold illness. I have many episodes on my podcast on these things. If you want to learn a little bit more in a blog post, and I even did like a before and after with my skin on one blog post. Um, I said, my, I um, fixed my skin by eating less health within one week. And it was like cystic acne versus clear by cutting out all of those foods. So I was just so chronically inflamed. So it's very individual, but the kind of thread between them all is real whole foods. Um, The animal protein thing, honestly, I think that is a big factor, but the types of protein, some people don't do well with beef and eggs and dairy products, some people do. So organic as much as possible, plant foods, um, but the amount and the types can differ as well. So it's very hard to say it is individual, but if you focus on like stuff that you, um, like with little ingredients so you can make at home, as much as possible and avoiding the inflammatory oils and takeouts and all that that's the place to start yeah i've been looking into aip um the last probably year or so just because of the psoriasis and immune stuff and it's amazing what happens when you pull out some of those trigger foods but i have been speaking to a few women recently who really react to the histamines and it's starting to come up like you said like sometimes you just find things come up more and more and i found the histamine one is super interesting like people will eat a couple histamine things and just have like full full rash on their face and stuff like that and it's like instantaneous like acne isn't uh, I wouldn't say it's instant like you don't notice it straight away as soon as you eat it but histamine is is yeah I would yeah I'd love to go down that rabbit hole but that is a super interesting thing for people to take note of and think about is there any simple tests for histamine is it just a blood test or the testing isn't great. I mean, one symptom that you could do is um, if you take your arm and you scratch your skin, if it stays red for a significant amount of time, that can be a sign, but that's not always the case for everyone. Um, it's just coming back to symptoms. And if you improve on a lower histamine diet, then that's a pre- like pretty much a given that histamine is a factor. So I have the blog post with like high histamine and antihistamine foods on my website and some other symptoms as well. Awesome. So if you're also a very allergic person, you have hay fever, allergies, eczema, runny nose, itchy eyes, itchy skin, then these are also signs um, that it might be a problem. But don't make the mistake that I did is just like staying on a low histamine diet because that I could get clear skin with that, but it was very restrictive. I was running into nutrient deficiencies because of it. And um, ultimately, we should be able to tolerate all of those foods because they're like the healthiest foods on the planet. Um, so you're not tolerating like tomatoes, spinach, etc. It's just a sign that your gut is impaired and your detox issues and nutrient deficiencies. So yes, going on a low histamine diet can help to manage symptoms, but it's not going to address the root cause. You need to work on that simultaneously. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, many, so much to think about. My brain's going, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but, yeah, just, yeah, amazing, incredible. Thank you. So we've covered it a lot today, but what are three things listeners could do sort of right now within the next couple of weeks or so to start rebuilding, you know, healthier skin and, you know, healthier gut ultimately, but sort of for that um, external aspect? I'll try and give some different, obviously all that stuff that we've spoken about, but I'll try and give some different recommendations. So sleep is huge. That's where we heal and detox, repair. And there's been studies that one night of sleep deprivation, which was um, described as being less than six hours a night, which a lot of people um, experience, that can make you more insulin resistant by up to 40%. So that's the whole thing with like not jumping straight to a low carb diet, focus on your sleep and go to bed at maybe 10-ish, wake up with the sun, have a sleep routine, wind down, not be on your screens, all of that boring stuff. But honestly, it's a big uh, factor. Stress management and mindset is huge, particularly with acne. Having this like breakout and um, symptom on your face, uh, there is a high risk of depression, anxiety, and low confidence as a result. So I totally understand that. Um, you need to do something every day that you enjoy that gets you into that parasympathetic rest and digest state because that's the only state of the nervous system that we heal it in. But if you hate meditation, don't force yourself to do meditation. You need to find something that works for you. So it could be going for a walk in nature. It could be a dance class. It could be journaling. Not just waiting until you're like majorly depressed and stressed out to do something about it. You need to be proactive rather than reactive. And the mindset thing is really important as well. Some of the things that we say to ourselves when we have skin issues is is terrible. Like, you're so ugly. Like, um, like nobody's going to love you. All of that stuff. Like, you look disgusting. Don't go out tonight. Like, cancelling plans. That is um, really, really bad for um, just our mindset and our stress levels and our hormone level. Because as women and as humans, we should be around people. We should be interacting. So it can make you very isolated, and very lonely having acne. And that can, um, that can block your healing abilities at the same time. So really work on your self-talk. Would you say what you're saying to a friend or sister? How would you treat them if they had acne? Um, and it's really just repatterning the way that we think about ourselves and seeing acne is just a temporary thing. It's not going to be forever. There's so many options and answers out there. It's just about finding what works for you personally. And just maybe being, it's hard to say it in the moment. And I'd probably punch myself if I was to say this back when I had acne. But yeah, seeing it as like the magic mirror into your health. So um, some people, they go through their whole life not not knowing that they have health issues. But for me, when my skin breaks out, I know that I'm not treating my body correctly. I know that it's something that I've eaten or not eaten or a new supplement that I've taken. So it's an immediate like feedback signal as to how well my body, it's like a report card every single day, like the period is, or like your daily bowel movement is. It's just like a sign to, to be aware of and, and be thankful for that. And yeah, just know that it's not going to be forever that you're dealing with it. And what you learn during that process, it's going to benefit your health in the long run potentially when all of your friends, everyone with clear skin now starts to develop more chronic and serious and life-threatening diseases 20, 30, 40 years down the line, you will hopefully be in a much better place, place health-wise because of what you learned dealing with the acne and just even the way that you relate to other people and your empathy for other people um, really does improve. And then the last one would be to support your detox pathways and making sure that you're going to the bathroom every day. That's step number one, at least one to three times. Good, well-formed bowel movements. Do things like dry body brushing, um, regular sweating but not over exercising you can do things like epsom salt baths making sure that you're moving your body and your lymphatic system with walking strength training and getting adequate sunlight but making sure that you protect your face with sunscreen the rest of your body um, just be mindful not to burn but you don't need to lather yourself in sunscreen every single day on your body because you need that vitamin d um also so they're the three well, that is the best three ever. Thank you so much. No, <laughs> seriously, though, thank you so much for all that information. Um, I got so much out of today and I know that all those women listening will as well. But because we covered so much today, what I want you guys to do if you're listening is to go to Vivian's website. So 
Um, I will pop the links in the show notes, obviously, but for those listening, it is V-I-V-A, so vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and then forward slash contact if you want to contact her. Otherwise, please stalk her on Instagram. So that's just Viva, V-I-V-A again, natural health, um, or find her on Facebook, but we all know Instagram's the place too. Uh, find someone and send them DMs. It's a fun spot to be. So, yeah, find you in those ways. Is there any other ways? Oh, your, your and the podcast. podcast? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what was the name that, of your podcast? It's got like years of any subject you can think of. It's the Hormones in Harmony. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, tip on podcast, guys. Go to something like Hormones in Harmony and then just search for things. Like if you want to know more about acne, just search acne and you'll see all Vivian's podcasts on it. Or if you thought the fungal thing or the mold thing or even the histamine stuff, anything that came up today and you went, oh, shivers, yeah, actually, I want to know more on that. Either, yeah, you can jump to a blogs or, yeah, jump to a podcast and have a listen because there's so much stuff out there and there's so much free good content as well from amazing people like Viv. So, jump over have a look have a stalk uh yeah that will be in the show notes but thank you again so much i really really appreciate the time and i know there was yeah so much good content in there today you're welcome it was great chatting with you and i hope everyone listening found at least something useful in there i really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide please leave me a rating and review and i will email you a copy as a thank you gift All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.